Welcome to True and Unpolished. Through this podcast, our intention is to uplift, amuse, and inspire you to create more of a life you'll love. Let's get authentic, everybody. So here's the deal. Mary and I decided last week that we were going to focus and look for true and unpolished moments in our own life with the theme, you do you. Okay, you do you. And our purpose behind this was recognizing that everybody's judging everybody all over the place. And we wanted to really highlight that it's important that we all do our own thing and not judge each other. So Mary's going to start us off. You're going to hear in a minute, and she's going to tell a story. And I love the way Mary's mind works. I think it has to do with her being a visual artist, but she thinks about things in such a beautiful and unique way. And in the beginning, I wasn't following her. I thought, hmm, but it totally made sense. So hang in there if you're like me and you are not a visual artist. I promise it'll make sense. So take a listen. Hi, Mary. Hello. It's nice to see you. You too. See, we can see each other. Y'all can't see us. But just imagine, I'll just give you a picture. We both look stunning. Amazing. (laughs) That's right. Do you remember glamour shots, everybody? Like, think of that. We look like glamour shots. Um, I'm not sure I want them to know that about me. No, no, we really don't. We look the opposite. Well, we, all right, we're going to leave that. We're going to put it down, but we're glad you're here. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, I, we often forget to thank you, but it is so exciting when I get to see that there is an audience in every state. in in the United States and some outside. So it is very exciting. We love to do this and we're so grateful to you uh, for coming on this journey with us and listening and caring about what we have to say. So thanks. So Mayor, you want to start us off with a true and or unpolished moment? Well, as a matter of fact, I do want to start us off with a truth. This might throw you off a little bit though. Oh, I didn't, I didn't warn you about it or say anything about it. Um, but one of the things that, uh, I think about periodically is this, um, time period in art and it consisted of two opposing forms of art. One was impressionism. Mm-hmm. which really focused on a real more of a realistic interpretation of what the artist would see and Monet is a good example of that okay the other period the opposite period is called cubism and um, that period was strongly influenced by Picasso and other artists who work more abstractly and so they rejected the idea that art should copy nature nature or that artists should adopt traditional techniques of perspective modeling and that sort of thing oh cool 
So you've got these opposing periods, opposing viewpoints in art. And what happens is whenever you go, what happens in art, and I think art mirrors life, right? Sure. So what happens is that you go so far in one direction that it ends up visually looking like the other. Whoa. What? So I need, I need it to be so, I mean, it's called impressionism. Uh-huh. And so those pictures are more romantic in nature, but they're all, they're also more realistic in nature, but they, they become that, that need for it to kind of be an impression of real nature, real subject matter, mm-hmm. then it, the idea sort of gets romanticized and then it becomes abstracted. I was thinking about that because my truth is this is random. Um, (laughs) And I I think about that period a lot. It's just something that I studied when I was in undergraduate studying art. And I always was fascinated with that concept. And Mm -hmm. I think it is, it mirrors a lot. That idea mirrors a lot what's happening in our political world right now yeah yeah what my truth is is that I don't like to go to art museums (laughs) an artist who doesn't like to go to art museums I love it but you would have assumed that I've loved them right right I think it's like you know have you ever met an athlete that doesn't like to watch games sporting events they want they want to play they want to participate in the event right because uh it's well yeah because uh an athlete you know when they're in the zone an artist when they are creating uh for me when I am giving a talk I'm in a place you know I am Mm -hmm. in inspired enthused which comes from uh, I think it's the Greek entheos which means in God so really what we're looking for I think always is that experience that experience of 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 oneness with all that is oneness with the universe and so it would make sense that you know looking at the art isn't going to be the same thing well when you were saying that about the oneness I was thinking you know before we got on this recording, we were talking and our subject was hashtag <laughs> for today, hashtag you do you. Yes. And what we both agreed on was that was a horrible concept. <laughs> concept, <laughs> right. It's something you say when you're yeah. having a conversation. It's not generally the topic of conversation. And so we're basically having to work backwards to get to this subject. But then you're talking about the oneness, right? You know, I really think of you do you as me being a separate entity, yeah. non-attached from the one. Right. That you the do you, wholeness. I think when you do you that's when you experience the oneness yeah yeah so it's like this concept yeah it's like the the art art thing yeah right so it it it's 
you know, we have these great ideas, these grand ideas, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's our political viewpoint or a new creative inspiration or whatever. And what happens is we go to an extreme and then we just circle back around. And the more um, we embrace and embody our individuality, the more we, the closer we get to the oneness. That is deep, everybody. Tweet, tweet. How does that go along with your unpolished? Oh, yeah. Is there any correlation there with your moment? Yeah. So you do you. Uh, I, that, I agree. Like we both agreed that that theme was very hard. And uh, my true and unpolished moment related to you do you is, is about me reaching out to estranged family members. Do you call them estranged if it's not a spouse? I don't know. I think that they would be lost, lost family okay. members. All right. That right. you've, uh, you've lost. I mean, as far as you know, there's not an intentional, we know where you are, but we're not going to talk to you. That would yeah. be estranged. Okay. Okay. Um, so let me explain. Uh, you guys know that my father was not well. He was Green Beret at Vietnam and um, we believe exposure to Agent Orange and all of that, but um, increasingly he was mentally unwell. <clears throat> and until the age of 12, I had contact with all of his family. Uh, he had, he's one of eight. Uh, so there was three boys and five girls and lots of cousins and they would come to visit and mom and dad would go visit there. I never visited there. Um, and they're in Buffalo, New York. So we were far apart, but we, you know, birthday cards and phone calls and visits. Uh, and then suddenly it was gone. And I asked my mom what had happened, like what's going on. And she said that dad had decided not to talk to them anymore. And I didn't did he say why, or did she tell you why? No, absolutely not. Um, but what I gathered and, you know, it's difficult because I was, because in my family, the rule is we don't talk about things, you know, we, especially unpleasant things, we don't mm -hmm. discuss them. And so I would, you know, I was real sneaky. Like I would listen in to try to figure out what the heck was going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and around this same time, I was being sneaky because there was a trunk that was locked in mm. a room that, uh, at, like at your house. Yes. Yes. Okay. There was this locked army trunk and mm -hmm. I had always been on a search for the key to this trunk because I wanted to know what was in there. Well, yeah. I mean, hello. That's it a wouldn't mystery. want to know what was in there. Right. So but you, didn't, you didn't have like a fear because I don't know what I have a fear about that for a little. Um, I did not. I do not remember being afraid. Um, it was just curiosity. Yeah. I Well, I, I, it was, I know there's something in there that they're trying to keep from me. That's uh, they're trying to keep this from me. That's right. And I'm going to figure okay. it out. Yeah. So I did find the key around the same time. And in this 
trunk were lots of things, but the the thing that stood out was that there were two birth certificates that listed mm-hmm. my father as the father and the names I didn't know. I didn't know who the woman was, the mother was, it was the same mother. And mm-hmm. I didn't know who. who so you, you had never heard anything about these children? Never, never. I had never heard anything about it. So then I approached my mom with this information because you do not. Where'd you find the key? Um, I don't remember. I think what it was is that I watched my mom go in there once. Oh, so you were eavesdropping on that too. Yeah. Like I had a sense that she was going in. So I was looking to see, and then I saw where she put the key, but but I might be totally making that up, but that's, that's what I think happened. Yeah. Um, and so I approached my mom with it and she said that, yes, my dad had two daughters from a previous marriage and that it upsets him. And so we don't talk about it. Mm. And I said, okay. And then at some point I heard a conversation and from this conversation, I gleaned that the reason why he didn't talk to his family anymore is that he believed he was becoming paranoid and he believed that they were like out to get him and that they were talking Mm -hmm. to his ex-wife and these daughters of his. And I very much was, you know, my dad's little girl at this point. So probably it was before 12, it was probably around 10 or 11 because it was before the switch. (laughs) And uh, so then asked him about it because of what I heard. And he Mm -hmm. said, he told me that there was a story where that the woman had said, because he was a green beret and a trained killer, that's how he put it, um, that she did not want him to have custody and he can only have supervised visits. And my dad said he went on a supervised visit and um, the Mm -hmm. littlest girl said, I know who you are. or something like, I know who you really are. You're our dad. And the older daughter said, we have a dad. And Mm. my dad said that he decided he was not going to ever see them again. And he didn't want to confuse them. They already believed that someone else was their father, you know, whatever. That's so sad. It is. And I don't know, you know, that's what he relayed to me. You know, I I don't know, because there's definitely some acrimonious stuff going on. They still live in the same town that all of my family lives in, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, I imagine that they would run into each other at the grocery store. But when my dad told me that story, I was outraged on his behalf. So I decided I never wanted to meet these sisters. I never wanted to have anything to do with them. Mm -hmm. And that was my story for a long time. I don't care to meet these people they were not good to my father you know whatever well now for some reason I feel I felt really drawn to try to find you know my aunts Mm -hmm. because all of both of my uncles 
had passed and I knew that. So I wanted to find them. And so I started to do some research. I looked up my grandma's uh, obituary because we weren't there. Um, they did list my dad and my mom, you know, as they do with children. And they counted me among the 19 grandchildren. And mm. um, I got all their names. You know, I got my, and this is what's so sad. I love this. Um, where, where or when? When? Uh, two, three days ago. Oh, okay. So this, <laughs> you just did this. Yes. Uh, okay. And so I, I, I mean, this is sad. I, ha- I literally had to look up their names. I only remembered three of their names and only remembered one of the last names. Well, you were only like 10 or 12 when this. Right. When it all went down. Right. But I will say too, that at this time I had a cousin who was going through Marine Corps boot camp at Paris Island. This, or, Mm -hmm. you know, I guess I was maybe eight, nine, 10. In South Carolina. Yes. And so he would come to our house on leave. Every time he got leave, he'd come to our house um, rather than fly up to Buffalo because he'd get, you know, three days or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I became, you know, to me, I loved this cousin. He was like a big brother and my big brother had moved across the country. So I was so stoked about this guy. And so I, Mm -hmm. of course, knew his name. Uh, So I started to look on Facebook and I found them and it was really vulnerable because I realized I don't know what went down. I don't know if my dad did something and they decided not to have right. contact. I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't know what happened. Uh, and so it was a very unpolished thing of me because I didn't plan it at all. And I just sent. So, but what did you do? Okay. So I, I did a friend request and I sent a message and the message said, hi, this is your niece, Lydia. Bob's daughter. That's what I said. And only one accepted my friend request and acknowledged, you know, receipt of the message. But she said, I've got a lot going on right now, but mm. we'll, um, you know, maybe catch up another time. Uh, so, so then I, I found my cousin and I sent my cousin. The one, the Paris Island cousin? Yeah, the one that I, out of everybody, I knew most. Right. Um, and after a couple of days, after after my one aunt responded, then he responded. And just, all he did was say, um, he just accepted my friend request and said, hey, good, good to hear from you. Like, that was it. And... Mm-hmm. So I am feeling very vulnerable and yeah, I guess so. exposed, you know, Yeah, because I don't know um, what it, you know, if they even want to hear from me, I, I don't know. Uh, so, you know, it's still, you know, to be determined what this is yeah. going to be. But what I also did guys was join ancestry.com. And I just, today, the DNA kit arrived and part of Ancestry.com is 
anybody that, so you send in the DNA and anybody mm. that you are related to gets pinged. Like you have a new relative on ancestry.com. And this came about because a childhood friend of mine, uh, Monday, maybe she had a picture of her and her dad on her Facebook feed. And I said, Oh, I remember him. And she was like, Nope, it's not him. I just realized, you know, I just found out that my father wasn't my father. I have a different father. And I was what? like, what? I know her story is cuckoo birds crazy. And she was like, I will tell you. So then she private messaged me, you know, and did an audio and told me the whole story. And it is incredible. Like she found out she's like Italian and she has a sister that looks just like her and her dad. So but she never knew about, no, she always thought that this one man, and I, as I did, I mean, I grew up going over and playing at her house and apparently mm -hmm. he is not her father at all. So it, anyway, it was her story that made me think, you know what? I should, I should find these sisters, you know, yeah. I should, if they're out there, you know, I mean, if they want to be found, they would have done this. They would have done an ancestry DNA, whatever, because it's pretty well known. So I'm, I'm going to, you know, send them my saliva. Yeah. And see what hits I get. You know, I also have other cousins that I don't know their names. I can't remember their names. So, I mean, my, it was a big family. They were a big Catholic family. Well, that, could be a really big adventure, huh? Uh, it is. I mean, it is exciting. It does feel like an adventure. Um, I have not told, I told my mom briefly that I had reached out to um, aunts, but they don't know about the DNA kit. They like my family doesn't, I haven't told them yet, not because I'm keeping it from them, but because you know, you just have done it. So you were inspired and you did it. And I did it. Right. Right. Cause haven't I haven't had a chance and probably somewhere in me, I knew that if I told anybody that I might get feedback that would cause me not to do it. And so I didn't tell mm -hmm. anybody I didn't tell before I did it, I just did it, you know? Yeah. So it was very true. It was a true moment where I wanted truly to connect with Fam my family and it was very unpolished because it was not planned and I was not eloquent in any way <laughs> you know like I didn't plan out what to say and and then I thought after I sent them I'm like well what do I say if they're like let's have a phone call like I don't even know what to talk about <laughs> yeah I think that's the kind of thing you have to do when the inspiration strikes and like yeah otherwise there's so many ways that we can talk ourselves out of that sort of thing yeah. and I think that isn't that what inspiration is for I mean yeah. it would come back again if that was the path you yeah. know you would surely be inspired again but I I wonder how many times we lose an opportunity yeah because we don't follow it or we start sit with it too long and think it over too long. I, I think that happens to me a lot, you know, yeah. overthinking something, not going with my gut. We have some amazing, awesome guests coming, lots of guests uh, so that I'm really excited about. 
uh, and Mary's really excited about. So um, as much as you love hearing just our voices, uh, you will very soon be hearing other voices as well. Hold on. We didn't talk about creating more. Oh, well, okay. Go. Oh, yes. Create more. Yeah. So how are you creating more in regards to you do you do you? I am, I am practicing speaking my mind. I, for a very long time, uh, was quiet and I think I needed to be quiet because I used to speak. Okay. I used to speak my mind way too much, like wait, way, 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 way too much. And so I overcorrect. Well, it's not an overcorrection because I needed to experience the other side, which is when I, you know, needed to be quiet and not speak my mind. And now I believe it's the moment where I integrate uh, the silence of my presence with my voice and speaking my mind. You have to, and I, if you look, if I look at all areas of my life, that's what happened in order for me to integrate and really become the truth of who I am. I had, you know, there's, it's just a lot of knob adjustment, you know? Yeah. Making sure the knob is turned up, not too high, not too low. Uh, And that's, that's what I'm trying to do now. It was too, it was too high for a very long time. Then it was too low. And now I'm, I'm working on, you know, medium volume. That's a good metaphor. Yeah. Well, I can really, I think, relate in some ways, but um, this is probably the third time in my life where my the um my beliefs and viewpoints have shifted and I don't know if I'm I I don't I don't know it's like the pendulum's kind of gone all over the place (laughs) so I don't know if it's come back to center quite yet but I do know that this past year there's been a, a a huge shift for me yeah. in, in how I see things. And so I think for me, I, you know, doing things that ground me, like the biggest thing probably is exercise. And, you know, I have this dog, Roxy, who mm-hmm. is, the, I don't know if she's the worst dog or the best dog I know, I know. a little of both but what she does is she holds me accountable so she wants to go for a walk she doesn't even like to go outside you know like a, a regular dog would just go <laughs> in the backyard or get whatever she wants to go like on a walk yeah to, to be able to do her her do her yeah that's so, right Roxy um, you do you Roxy you do you but yeah, just um, my my friend, neighbor, um, for a long time would, would say, you know, I always am like, there's Mary out walking her dog, walking Roxy, <laughs> there she is. And I, I wish that, you know, I could just do that, that I could just get up and go do that. And, and I think the, the reason that I can do that is because the alternative of not doing it is too much suffering. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm motivated to get up and do it because 
I don't, I want to suffer less. Yes. Okay. And then, but I just wanted to say, you know, I've been gardening. So that is also grounding. So actually your hands in the earth and weeding the garden and the garden of my mind. Yes. My friend Dan tells me all the time, just go garden. Well, everybody, we, this is, you know, your, if you need one, this is your permission slip to do you, you do you. And I think the other part of you do you is let everybody else do them. And let's not judge each other. Let's all do us without judgment of other people. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. You have been listening to True and Unpolished, the podcast. Let's see what happens next.